Deflated songs for today. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Chug and Chat. We are your hosts, Morgan and Liz. <laughs> and today we're a little, uh, we're a little more rage fueled today. We're, and we're we'll, a little peeved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're a little peeved. Everybody, we're a little peeved. We'll get into why. Um, but the oh we're gonna start with how we care how we our like self-care thing first right is that what you want to do and then yeah yeah just like as a little recap because I mean (laughs) I don't know if you want to share your version of this but I sort of want to share like my self-care fail and then my self-care success because sometimes we try to self-care and (laughs) it doesn't really work out (laughs) despite our best intentions so after the very night that we, we recorded episode two I was like, yeah, boom, self-care. So I made the decision. I was like, I can do two things. I can either go to hot yoga, which like always makes me feel super great, or I can take a hot bath. And I was feeling a little of the winter lazy. So I was like, not, and I have a really long commute. So I was like, I'm not really trying to get in my car. Um, So I'm like, I'm going to draw a badass bath. I got some bubble bath. It's on. So fast forward to me entering wonderful said warm bath and it was like completely lukewarm water. I mean, there's like gross, right? Like there's like literally nothing worse. Like, and I'm one of those people that runs cold. So like my, my toes and fingers are always freezing, like even in the summer. So like the prospect of like total submersion in hot water is just like a wonderful, wonderful feeling for me. And I get into this lukewarm bath and I'm so determined, like I am going to relax and self-care in this bath that like I sit in it for like a good 10 minutes and just like begin <laughs> like in your own like dirty dishwater like <laughs> yes. I'm like sitting there and the other thing is like I don't sit like you normally do in a bath like you know like submerged like kind of on your back I'm like sort of like kneeling like thinking like okay like maybe it'll just like magically get hotter if I just sort of kneel in it and don't submerge my body in the cold water because that will feel worse so I just sit there like kneeling in this weird low low bath water trying to turn the faucet back on to see if like maybe the hot water will like come on now but of course it just like gets colder and colder like the more I try this is like a metaphor for the Trump years exactly which is why I felt I really had to share this I'm sitting there kneeling holding my hand under the faucet waiting for it to get warm and my hands getting freezing like because it's running under the cold water and I kid you not I just start like silently at first, but just like ugly crying, you know, like I'm just like (laughs) ugly crying. I'm like, I just need to relax. Like we just talked about self-care. I never do this and I can't even get the bath right. You know, like I just like, and then I get a text from the lovely Morgan who's like Trump's interview is tonight. We need to watch this and talk about it, which we will talk a little bit about today. Um, but I'm like sitting there already ugly crying. And I'm like, yeah, you know, in my head, I didn't text her back, but I'm like, I can't do it. I can't possibly watch this or anything. And anyway, I just lost it. So I, I, I did text her once I recovered from my 20 minutes of ugly crying, which turns out actually made me feel pretty good. I think that ended up being the self-care that I, I needed. Just like, <laughs> oh, like complete <laughs> devastation. Yeah, I got to let out a little bit of that 
all of that that I yeah. have been holding in. Oh, yeah. And so it worked out and I was ready after 20 minutes of sobbing to regroup and watch this thing. But um, I just thought I'd share because it really was directly after we recorded that episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I like, I don't know how I didn't know that Trump's interview, like, I feel like I just was trying not to know somehow. I don't know. But I know. when I when I texted you, I was like, are we like we should, right? Right? I mean, and I literally vomited the whole time. Not literally, I metaphorically vomited, but I <laughs> that felt... That image is great, though. Just, just like, like projectile. The entire hour. Ugh. Um, so what worked? Yeah. What was your health... How was your self-care success story? Well, I suppose in some ways that was its own success story because yeah. I really needed a good cry. Um, But you did remind me the following day of a um, self-care method that I use quite a bit, which, you know, for those of you in states that will allow it, I highly encourage this. And that Mm -hmm. is a a weed vaporizer pen. Um, Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong. Yeah, you can't go wrong. And I'm really loving these days that you have options. Like you can get CBD pens, which really don't have the same... Like, they really don't give you the same uh, kind of dysfunctional qualities of weed, but oh, help totally. a lot with pain, which is great. So. And I can, I mean, the the pen that I have, um, for all of you anxiety attackers out there, the pen that I have, I if I, I can smoke enough where I'm having a great time, or I can smoke a little bit and still work. Um, exactly. And I love exactly. that. Yeah, I totally love that. So yeah, that's that's a great, yeah, that's a great success. That's one of my successes. Yay. And last night, I just decided, like, I came home, and I'm in the middle of just reading some really awesome stuff right now, you guys. Like, really, like, knee-deep in and the original essay on... Um, um, on intersectionality and ju- just like really loving what I'm reading. But I came home and was like, I am just, I, I cannot. And for those of you who know me, I really love documentaries about like sexual perversion. I don't know. That's like my thing. I'm just going to put that out there universe. Just now you another know that twinsy me. thing between us. I really, Oh my do gosh, too. really? And do you like true crime stuff too? Like, that's basically all I watch. Like, uh, I'll watch, like, marathons. Why are we married? I know. I watch, like, marathons of Law & Order SVU when I feel sad. <laughs> okay, so th- what you need to do then is... You you guys have Netflix, right? Yeah, duh. You have to. Yeah. Um, so there is a documentary on there called... Um, oh, man. I gotta, I gotta look at the exact name of it. But it's called, like, The Men Who Wear Rubber Masks. Ooh. And it is all about this whole... Like, sec- well, sort of sexual, but I mean, yeah, sexual, like a fetish subculture where men dress in fully, um, uh, like latex, like full latex suits that are of the female form and like wear wigs and latex masks and they just like walk around town. Huh. And that's it? That's what they like. Yeah, that's like what they like to do. They they don't, you know, like are, they're not in relationships with other men that also do that. They're not in relationships with women who are into that. Like they're, that's hmm. that's just how they like to express themselves and what they find to be beautiful about themselves. And anyway, watch that documentary. Yeah, that's very interesting. interesting. Yeah, I took a really long shower and just like and put a sheet mask on and then just watched like the weirdest documentaries I could find. It was my absolute great. fave. Yeah, so it was perfect. I woke up this morning being like, oh my gosh, I feel great. And then I started reading about what's going on today. (laughs) So, yeah. So should we table a countless? So during this episode, we want to give a brief shout out 
we're doing like a mini queen of the corner um, uh, queen of the corner queen of the corner <laughs> queen of the corner um, a mini queen of the week kind of situation and then we're going to jump into and t- touch a little bit on um trump's interview um on wednesday night with david muir and then um we want to talk about this pro-life march that's happening like right now or it's probably over now because it's like five o'clock there now um but we we want to talk about like what that what all of that is. We want to unpack. So do you yes. want to do you want to do your shout out first? Shout outs, yeah, sure. Um, and I did add one. I apologize. I just have to say, everyone who's listening to us now, um, the millions of you listeners out there, uh, it's so hard to pick people to feature um, this week in particular because I don't know about you. The one thing that is giving me hope is that there are a lot of organizations, government agencies, people that are really taking um, some good stances in light of everything happening. So I think they're worth an honorable honorable mention. Um, One being, and Morgan, this is the one that we didn't talk about, but I know you'll agree with me. Um, One is just a shout out to the national parks and all other government entities that created their own alternative Twitter accounts. Just like aren't taking any crap when it comes to all of the freezing and censoring that's you going go, on. You go, so- National Parks. You go. Yes. And you I go, highly encourage if <laughs> I love that. I highly encourage you to follow all of their alternative accounts. There's like a bunch of posts going around on Twitter and Facebook that show all of the Twitter handles if you're having trouble finding them. Um, but they're putting out climate facts and they're making climate change sexy for the first time in like ever. So that's pretty cool. Woo! That it, woo who? Woo who? Um, okay. Another honorable, honorable mention. I'm having trouble saying that word today. I'm not sure why, but. Because there's not a whole another... lot of honorable stuff going on right now. God, I know. Sorry. Right? I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My rage <laughs> makes me inarticulate. It goes either way. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So the other one is Marty Walsh. Um, is he the mayor? The mayor of Boston? Um, he put out, he was doing a press conference this morning that was similar to a lot of other um, city officials kind of that we've seen lately, but essentially saying that we're not going to let you, um, you know, ruin our status as a sanctuary city. And essentially, like, if we have to, you know, house people in city hall in order to protect them, then I'm willing to do that. And that's like, that's a pretty big statement. So I thought that was awesome. And honestly, I was a little bit surprised to hear it from Boston. Um... Not because it's not a liberal city for the most part, but I think it can it can teeter on the edge, sort of like Chicago can. So I, sure. you know, it's it's kind of awesome. Um, then the other one is Jerry Brown of California, who um, released a statement that essentially, I mean, essentially was driven by climate change, but really all of the things that were going on, but essentially saying like, "Yo, like California has the biggest population." in the country and we could basically you know stand up against the rest of the country and fight for climate change and for other things that are right to fight for so i thought that was pretty cool it's sort of funny because you know my friends and i i don't know about you morgan but my friends and i have been sort of speculating about what role california would play um given its size and how progressive it is i've been sort of wondering like are are we going to be like sort of this new we're going to be the revolution. Like, I don't know, but. You know, and I, like, I wasn't, it's interesting that you say that because I wasn't wondering that really, not because I like didn't care to wonder it, but because I just hadn't thought about it yet. 
Yeah. That, you know, and then, then when I read that statement, um, cause you, did you email it? Whatever, what, whatever form of communication you, <laughs> we used for that one, you <laughs> sent it to me and I just was like, wow. I mean, that is, that is a really huge, that's a huge thing. I mean, that's, that's something that can, that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Like what role are states going to play in this? And then is there going to be like a large, you know, like migration of people who live in, you know, who have the means to do so, who live in. Like it's not overpopulated enough here. (laughs) No, totally. And like, and Oregon is getting to be the same way. Right. I know, but maybe that's why people have been sort of like almost subconsciously moving West. Yeah. (laughs) I never expected to end up here. I thought I was going to end up in New York, but there's just been something about this area of the country that I haven't been able to leave. <laughs> totally. I mean, I certainly never expected to end up in Oregon, but I'm really, I'm happy, I'm happier pretty much every day that I'm here. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, which leads me to my shout out, going to shout out to my homegirl, Governor Kate Brown. Yeah. Um, she is the governor of Oregon and she's just, she just is the bee's knees, you guys. She's just really great. So um, she's released a number of statements um, on Trump's executive order for immigration um, and the same, the same thing with the sanctuary cities. And she, she's basically just said like, Oregon won't use state dollars to arrest undocu- undocumented immigrants and federal, and will not assist in any way um, with if the federal government ever tries to do that. Um, yeah. She, let's see, I'm going to read her full statement because she's rad. Um, I hear daily the hopes and aspirations of Oregonians working hard to provide for their children and families. We all deserve the opportunity to fulfill our greatest potential. As governor, I'll continue to fight to protect and work to expand those opportunities to all Oregonians. The executive order has only just been signed, and my staff will be studying it to figure out exactly what effect it will have on Oregonians. However... Oregon law is clear. State agencies are, pro- are prohibited from using taxpayer dollars to treat undocumented Oregonians as criminals. As governor, I'm committed to upholding this law and to protecting the human and civil rights of everyone in our state. And I just thought she deserved a little bit of a shout out. She uh, gave a huge speech to like, a, I mean, it was like a, a ton of people who were demonstrating. She's just been, she's been really active out here in the movement. And I'm just, I just think she's awesome. So anywho. That is amazing. Um, two badass governors <laughs> on the West Coast yeah. over here. That is super awesome. Move to Oregon, but please don't move close to my house because then my property value will, will go. Well, I guess I do because my property value will go up, but then move away before I sell it. I don't know. <laughs> but it's complicated, everyone. It's move complicated. Move to Oregon because you can still afford to buy property there oh, and in California. So true. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, not for very long. But yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Move here and buy a house so that you can sell it to somebody who moves up from California and thinks it's cheap. <laughs> figured out we have it all figured out yeah um, you guys if you need life coaches and a financial <laughs> advisor hello here we are <laughs> oh my god okay I have just one more and then we can move on um, oh yeah and I know this is a little male heavy um we need to find some more females saying badass things next time but I thought this was kind of cool this was that video that I sent you Morgan um that features Hassan Piker, who's a news personality. Mm -hmm. And just in the spirit of like generally wanting to be schooled and schooling other people, I mean, he completely schools, is it Tommy Lauren, Tommy Lauren? It's Um, Tommy, I think. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, she basically... um, Is garbage. Is garbage, absolutely. And also just, you know, said kind of 
kind of what we're going to talk about with this pro-life march. She had a lot of comments about, um, you know, women's role in all of this. And, and he just breaks down what she says and just completely schools her. So look up that video because it's definitely worth it. And if you're having a crappy day like we are, it will probably at least make you smile for a brief moment. It totally does. I'll post We should post it on the page. We'll post it on the Facebook page yes. so that you can see it. It is, it's great. I watched it first thing this morning and I was like, today's going to be a, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, shoot. I should have said it later. <laughs> Ah, geez. All right. Well, speaking of horrible, why don't we just talk a little bit about the dreaded Trump interview? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, I have to say, um, I still didn't watch the whole thing. (laughs) I watched part of it. I read the whole transcript. Um, I just like get such a visceral response when I either read or watch his shit swear jar. Yeah, (laughs) that was on purpose that I just I mean, I just get sick to my stomach. And I've really been thinking a lot about like, you know, your background in performance and how performance plays such a clear role here. I mean, the way he just repeats lies until people believe they're true is like such an authoritarian, like third world leader thing to do. Um, But I actually know several people that only read the transcript. And then I know a bunch of people that only watched and some combination. And I know you texted me right before and said, you know, it's not about what he says. It's about his performance. So I I really just want to hear what you think about like how he's coming off to people. Well, I think, sorry, if you, did you hear the bling when I put my computer in? I just plugged my computer in. No, but <laughs> okay, I good. heard you say that and that was bling. a lovely sound. <laughs> um, so, so what, the reason why I wanted to watch it, um, because in, in reading the transcript, cause I've done both. Um, I was curious if I would have another response. I'm not sure if my, if me watching colors my response of, you know, to um, reading the transcript because I watched first before I read it. But in any event, um, when I read it, it was like, well, yeah, I mean, this is, these are all things he said before. None of this should be a surprise to anybody. It really shouldn't be rage fuel, right? Because he's, you know, they talked about the wall and they talked about his like crazy tweet about Chicago. They talked about um, the um, attendance at the inauguration which is something that I really like at the end of what I'm about to say, I'm going to kind of touch on that big time because I, I think that's a, that was a really important moment. Um, and he, he just snakes around the questions and that's, that's, you know, that's not only is that like a political strategy, it's been his MO since like the beginning of forever. So, I mean, he's the person that you can show him a video of him saying something and he's like, well, that wasn't me. And people go, Oh no, well he says it wasn't him. So the thing that I think that's so interesting about him is is how animated he gets um and is the tone of his voice so he's he's an interesting person to watch because he says short things to the point and he and he he basically just supplies an infinite number of sound bites and if you think about how we as a culture function we function with headlines but you don't read the article um you watch the first minute and a half of a video but you don't watch it because it's nine minutes long and you don't want to see the whole thing or you know we're very like instant gratification we as a culture um particularly americans i think but probably everywhere um we we're used to having the point be right away if you have to like we don't like you know necessarily like reading books but if we could watch the movie you know i mean there's certain 
certain at like those certain things are things that he plays on in, in his performance of himself. Um, and he's also he's a caricature. He's something that it feels like you're you're you have a distance from because it feels like you're watching a movie. It feels like you are watching a person who is in a completely different realm than you are. Um, some interesting things that I thought that he did that I hadn't noticed. I mean, I have I had noticed that he had done before, but not never really in this way is he he broke the fourth wall like all the time he would in the middle of a question he would stop and like make eye contact with the camera which is something typically that you don't do um or that most people and, and correct me if i'm wrong here everybody but i i don't remember ever seeing you know one-on-one -on -one interviews with president obama or president clinton um, or um, President George Bush even, where they were looking at the camera during those interviews. So it was almost like he was using it to emphasize things and he was also using it to make more of a contact with his base. Like say, it's almost like- Ah, I didn't even consider this. Do like, you know what I mean? so crazy because it's like he's talking to you. Like the only instances I can think of that happening is like, State of the Union, like not an interview, but like when you're actually sure when you're supposed to look yeah. at the camera, right? Yeah. But in in an interview kind of thing, it very much struck me as intentional, and it very much struck me as something that was um, like a, eh? you know, like a like a eh, eh? kind <sighs> of like a like an elbow nudge to the people who might share those same beliefs or to his base, and I think. I think what he is so effective at, and actually I, I, uh, I watched part of his, um, um, to, I watched part of his press conference today with the British prime minister. And, um, and then I watched some of the, like, uh, one of the correspondents on CNN was talking about it afterwards. And she said something that I thought was really interesting where in, in business, in his, like, whatever that book is that I will never read of his. It's called The Art of the Deal, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, and actually, I might read it if I don't think I'm going to die. Oh, he didn't actually write that. I mean, that's you can true. read it that's and it super won't even fair. matter. <laughs> that's super fair. Yeah, because you could read the first paragraph and know whether or not he wrote it. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he, like, he basically said that one, one of his major strategies in business was just to go into a room, walk into a room and like throw a big bombshell and then be like, fuck it, swear jar, sorry. You guys, <laughs> and like, and go, you guys figure it out. And then yeah. leave and let everybody go. La, 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 la. And then he'd come back in and go, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then because he, because someone, it didn't even matter who, had a solution, that was what they ended up doing. And I thought when she said that, I was like, oh my God, that that is such a brilliant like way of explaining what is happening here yeah because wow. because that to me that's very much what's happening so he's he's causing like starting all of these things and that interview was no different right and saying you know that like i don't think immigrants should be worried but they'll know in the next month and <sighs> you know saying saying all these just sort of open-ended weird question things um and then and then making eye anyway, that's really what I had to say about it. And that's why I wanted to watch it too, was that, yeah. you know, looking at him, like making contact and creating this false relationship. I mean, that's exactly what theater is in itself, is creating some kind of consensual relationship with you and your audience that's very temporary. And, yeah. and to be able to live and breathe in that space of whatever the show is, 
long enough to be able to suspend that disbelief and yes. and to get people on board with you, basically. Well, so, let me ask you this then, because this is what I really struggle with is like, and not obviously like he has a TV background and he is acting in his own right, but how, like you said him looking at his audience was intentional. And I wonder all of the time how intentional his actions are. I mean, yes, we know mm. he's like going to throw temper tantrums because he wants what he wants. And that's kind of the end of it. But like in terms of strategically, like, is he aware that by repeating this small fragmented language and looking at the audience and like literally regurgitating lies until people start to wonder if they're truth. Like, I mean, this is all strategy. It is exactly what Hitler did. Like as much as people want to like say that we're crazy, like bleeding heart liberals for mm -hmm. like even making that comparison, like there's validity to it. It's a real comparison. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder like, is he like smart enough to be sitting there like, strategically planning out the way he's communicating, knowing that that's how he's going to continue to win? Or is he just like a big crybaby idiot sociopath who like just happens to, to display those behaviors, you know? You know, I think, I think there's a fine line, right? But I think, I honestly think he's both. I yeah. think, I think that when I think of, you know, him... When he said there was, and I like, I'm going to butcher this quote. And I like, I'm looking right now for my notes and I can't find my notes because I wrote the exact quote down. He basically said, if I, at a certain point, and I don't remember what the question was. He said, if I was campaigning or if, if I had wanted to win the popular vote, I would have campaigned for it. Yeah, but you know, but, but. Ugh, but that statement was really conflicting for me too, for the same reason, because it's like, on the one hand, that's a smart thing to say to throw people off, but it's also like a 12-year-old thing to say, like, well, if I wanted it, I would have had it. Right, but no, that's exact, <laughs> but I, I think it's, I think it's both. I think it's both, because I think that moment, like, it, it, in that, in that, like, uh, assumption of power and this sort of, um, you know, the emperor has no clothes kind of thing that he's got I'm like having a real problem like explaining explaining exactly what I mean because it's so I feel like it's so much more complicated like yeah I think he's he's absolutely a buffoon but I don't <laughs> think he thinks he's one and and so I think that's the performance yeah yeah you're right I think you're right you know what I that. mean like he thinks that what he's doing and what he's saying is brilliant and, well, it's worked and, for him. It's worked for yeah. him before. And his whole life. in so doing, it's kind of become a little brilliant. Because people are, are you know, picking up what he's putting down, so to speak. Ugh, which, like, brings me to my next point and maybe my final point. But I think the thing that maybe scared me the most out of that interview was when he was saying that essentially, like, don't ask questions about the military because I'm not going to tell anyone my military plans until they've until already happened. Done. Yeah, until <laughs> like, it's What done. the fuck, swear jar? Like, what Yeah, I mean, that that part, I mean, God, unpacking that is... Uh, that horrified I, me. I've been having such trouble sleeping and I'm not even, I'm not an alarmist, you know what I mean? But it's just like, yeah. just thinking about the power of those words, like, kept me up that night. I... What scared me more than that was him saying about the inauguration numbers. 
him saying like all of you other networks um, covered it in incorrectly. If you look at Fox, like yeah. I could never ever. So, so for anybody who hasn't read or, or um, watched the speech yet, he says, you know, about the inauguration numbers, he, he talks about how ABC and NBC and CNN and everyone else in the whole world inaccurately depicted the numbers. Um, and he suggests that everyone go to Fox for their information. And what scared me was it, it was just like Big Brother's watching you. I was like in 1984 wearing my little red sash, like having to work out in the mornings, be, you know, thinking about <laughs> I've never heard a politician advocate for one particular news source. I've just never heard that. No, and I that I is either. so despotic, despotic. You know, it's that Despa is despodic, <laughs> despodic. <laughs> but it is. It is. So I mean, yeah, like I, the the military thing was super terrifying, but it also didn't surprise me because I think that happens all the time right now, anyway. But to out like to admit it with such candor, it was. Uh, you know, I mean, I think honestly, like, I, I want to, I kind of want to come back to this. Like, I want to, yeah, I want to compare gonna have it. To. I yeah, have I want to compare it to other interviews. And because I just started to notice some things in the way that he moves and in the way that he emphasizes particular words. Um, something yeah. that I thought was interesting that plays into kind of that Google algorithm thing that we were talking about is I felt very much like he was generating his own AdWords. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like he's oh generating words that he is punching that people may then look to, you know, look for more information on those and then they'll just find things that he wants them to find. And it's again, like that the- game. It's like that game from You Don't Know Jack. Are you? Oh, Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Are you too young for that? <laughs> no, I love you don't know, Jack. Yeah. It's like those words flying around and you gotta, yeah, oh my God, I never thought about it that way, but he totally is like that. And I read an interesting article recently about um, how reporters are having a really hard time um, reporting on his speeches and things he says because of how fragmented it is. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, especially, I mean, again, reading the transcript, it's like a whole jumble of mess. <laughs> so. Well, and I think that could very well be on purpose too, because yeah. the media doesn't, he's, he's, he's stifling the media without like, I have to, you know, I have to decide how much, how much like I personally want to give to him thinking all this through or whether this is just how he is. Yeah, that's um, how I feel too. <laughs> yeah, like before I actually come up with a real, a real like based in fact opinion about it. But those are just the sorts of things that are flying around in my brain right now about that. Absolutely, me too. Um, well, I guess since we will have to revisit, since unfortunately he is our president and undoubtedly he will speak in front of the public again, why don't we move on? and talk a little bit about this pro-life march that happened yeah. today. <laughs> yes. Ugh, like the doomsday segue that uh, is our day. So, so one of the things that, that you and I were talking about earlier was that we were trying to find mainstream, like live video footage, um, mainstream coverage on any of the networks. I was even watching Fox News this morning trying to find something. Yeah. And just because I was really, I know, I was watching it and I was like, oh God, please no one come over or like, <laughs> no one's watching me, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I, it like turned my stomach to even give them the rating, like the one TV box rating. But, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, 
I've looked for it everywhere and I've looked on online and I just, I haven't really been able to find a whole lot. I mean, all I have found is, is who spoke, which I think is very relevant. And I think we need to talk about that. And I found who, I found how many they were expecting and they were expecting like 50,000 people. And then that one video that you and I watched, um, there was a video from, and I'd have to pull it up to look at it, but I, I can put it on the Facebook, but it was about, um, it was a, it was a high school who had all come to March. Um, and they were, I think like 200 people or something. And so there was video footage of them going to the, to the mall. Um, but that's, that's the national Did you mall. find any, the <laughs> national mall, like just going to the mall, going to the mall, talking mom about gave pro-life. me 20 bucks for the mall. Cause I wasn't aborted. Ooh. Right. Oh yeah. Ooh. And because I probably won't ever need one, I hope. Well, um, now that we probably won't have rights for contraceptives. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So what did you find? What do you, do you want to yeah. kick off the, what are your thoughts? I mean, honestly, yeah, I didn't find a whole lot, but I guess, you know, the things that I have been reading leading up to the march, and I guess what was still sort of circulating around today so far, is just, of course, that the general um theme it seems to be of the pro-life march is like wow 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 we were left out of the women's march which like yes you were actually purposefully left out of the women's march um but you know i mean it's an interesting i think it's an interesting thing to consider because you know we are supposed to be representing all women at the women's march and i believe at least that a pro-life woman isn't really representing um, fighting for the civil liberties of women. Um, I don't know if you agree, Morgan. I'm assuming I do, you do. wholeheartedly, yes. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, but of course, like, yet again, here we are in this, like, pigeonholed place where the other side is now saying that we don't stand for women's rights because we didn't represent that small subgroup of women. And I find that really conflicting because, again, it just begs the question that I'm probably going to bring up a lot on this podcast, like, what responsibility is it for us to unite women in this resistance? And which ones do we kind of, like, say we're going to cut our losses and move on with the strength that we do have? You know, the quote that I pulled from, you know, this really just sort of baseless article, because I <laughs> equally couldn't really find anything, you know, had a quote from a woman who who did feel strongly about feeling left out about the Women's March. And she said, you know, you say that you want the best for women. And I yeah. think that was supposed to be the message of the Women's March. And, and I don't think it got conveyed. And I don't think it was a very inclusive march. And, and when it's put that plainly, you know, I mean, it hurts, right? Because I do want the best for women. And in no way am I saying that I hope that subgroup of women is caused harm simply because I think that they're not standing up for my civil liberties. Sure. You know, so anyway, I guess that's just what I've been thinking of with the Women's March. And I would be curious to hear what you think our responsibility is, especially in light of us like fighting with other women sometimes on Facebook. (laughs) And, Um. And when we should be saying, you know, fuck it, I'm not, you know, you're not worth the fight. And when is it time to, again, have those tough conversations and try to bring people in? (laughs) I think, uh, I mean, I think there are, there are certain, I think you have to play it case by case. Like, I don't think that there's an easy answer for this. And the way, so the way that I'm going to answer this is kind of also by saying what I, what I sort of wanted to say, what I started to say with you 
last night, which is basically, I found it very interesting that, you know, there, there was the women's march, which was not just for reproductive rights, right? I mean, it was, it was for everything. Yeah. I mean, it was for all type types of, you know, it was for the wage gap. It was for intersectionality. It was for uniting um, us in feminism. It's, it was, it was for immigration. It was for, I mean, everything for sexual orientation, for gender, you know, for, for trans people. It was for everything. It was for everyone. Yeah. And it was just called the Women's March. And what I thought was very interesting was that their, you know, response to that was a single issue. So I don't know if that's representative of what Republicans and or just conservatives as a whole or those that participated in this march as a whole, if they think that that's the same thing, if they think that the women's march was truly just fighting for a single issue, because it was not then why would their response be about this one issue? It wasn't... Maybe that was the w- problem, you know? Like, right. What, like, maybe they were like, yeah, which is sort of what some people are saying, like, well, you say you're representing, like, all women, like, all diversity of women, you know, trans women, women of color, yada, 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 but where are the women that are pro-life? So I think that's... And I, again, I don't think that's really a valid argument (laughs) but it's sort of like symbolically representative I suppose at least when it comes to human rights and social justice like in some ways the difference between the parties right like we're socialists essentially like we're down to like sacrifice our own personal benefit for the benefit of everybody else and they are not I mean they are very singular about their human rights issues in my opinion right and that's exactly, that's, that's like, thank you. That's like ex- putting exactly, they're very singular. Yeah. And so when I think about how to reach them, it is in a similarly singular way. And mm. I don't exactly know what that is, but I have this, like, I have this imagery, right, of how narrow the scope is. If you look at the Women's March and you go, oh, it was just for a bunch of people who want to get pregnant and have abortions, like they don't give a shit. That is the most, the, the narrowest of scopes that you <laughs> yes. could look at. So, I mean, it is. That's, that is looking through, you know, looking at the Taj Mahal through a straw. Yeah. That's, not, that's not using using your own eyes. And so when I think of how, how do we climb up the straw is what I'm getting at. You know, what, in order to unite women in particular we have to realize that it doesn't all surround abortion. It doesn't. God, I know. I mean, isn't that in essence too, like the patriarchy uses that to distract us from the fact that we don't have our own civil rights, you know, essentially like, yeah, you're totally right about that. It's like, stop making everything about abortion. It's why the stupid federal funding to NGOs thing infuriates me because it's like that money never goes to abortions it goes to family planning and other things like why do people not get that like it's not about abortion like just fucking get over it well and it's not and the thing the thing is is it's if when you boil it all totally down what it's about is that you can't tell somebody else how to live their life you don't have the rights to tell somebody else how to use their rights 
Yeah. Yeah. If you don't want an abortion, don't get one. (laughs) Right. And so if we, if we go, if we look at it from that standpoint, the only, the only way, and, and I mean, this is what we were talking about right before we started. I, I don't know that there is a way to unite because, you know, when I, when someone comes to me and says like, well, I'm going to the pro-life march, I would be like, why? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You know, I would be like, sure. I mean, that's if you want to stand for pro-life, that's fine. Go for the march. You know, go march because you think you have your rights. Fine. Don't march for one issue. Don't do that. Don't march for the one, the tiniest thing. The, like, toothpick in the fucking haystack. Don't yeah, I mean, march for that. It's sort of like... I mean, it's sort of like what you said. It's like, we don't have the power to choose how people want to exercise their civil liberties. So if you want to go to the damn pro-life march, like, I mean, I can't stop you from going. Of course. I think is essentially what it is. But yeah, I definitely am not going to agree with it. And I continue to be, I mean, just so angry. I have such a hard time, like, not feeling so much anger and resentment for other women who really... Who, I mean, essentially are Tea Partyists. Like, any of the policies that we've been seeing come out, like impact women in a very real way and the fact that you could just stand there at like I mean you look like a fucking robotic Stepford wife like let's be honest like you are just regurgitating what the white males on that side want to say and I have a hard time not going into like ranting crazy behavior and maybe that's where some of my insecurity comes in and I'm like well maybe I should just try to unite people you know because I it's like I get so angry that I can't even articulate myself in any sort of diplomatic or eloquent way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, and that's where I am too, where I just was like, don't march! Like, I, that's like all, like, I, I can't even out. say anything real. <laughs> I can't even, but like, I I think to what the real root of, of the problem that I personally have with with the pro-life movement is, and, and I could be completely wrong, is his, like, I, what I have seen in terms of imagery that comes out of it is a lot of white faces. Yeah, I haven't seen like the the image that the movement has taken on is the white conservative. Well, except and that, for when they put some women of color speakers up there, just because they're trying to drive home that point. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, or I like definitely put a picture you. of of one on a poster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you look at the pictures that like, and again, there aren't really that many, but the Associated Press puts them out today of the uh, of of the mar of the March of, for, for Life. If you look at it, like, I, I didn't see any people of color. I didn't see... Because there I, there are certainly people of color who do not believe in abortion. Certainly. Of course. So, if you think, like, I just well, feel yeah. like it's... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's... They're, they're, they're not... Those, those movements in themselves are also very exclusive. They're very exclusive, obviously. Because if, if what, what happened was a march... And it was a pro-life march, and there were people, there were all different, you know, pe- there were people of color, there were trans people, there were, there were the same sort of, like, demographic diversity in their groups as there were in ours. I would think we had nothing to worry about. Because their right to march is the same as mine, and I think it's important to get out in the streets and talk about what you want to talk about and make sure that you know, if you feel your rights are being infringed upon because other people have rights, then that's a whole separate other thing that oh, you need God, to deal yeah. with as a person. And you're <laughs> like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even think I like, how do we reach these kids? Like, I don't even think I can do it. But 
it's, you know, if, if you are out there for a cause that you believe in, I think that is a good thing. But when you are out there for a cause that is just for other people that look like you, you know, you've really got to, you've really got, you've really got to take a look at that and, and ask really what, what they're marching for. Yeah, you're totally right because it, it does seem like a blatant, I mean, and it is a blatant response to the women's march. And so it does feel like a personal affront in that way. Like you're, you're just basically coming out and saying that all the progressive folks that came out basically denouncing Trump and his administration, like you're just coming out and saying like, well, no, <laughs> we support that. So it, it does then boil down to like, you're sort of just using the abortion issue as a front. <laughs> and so what are you really representing? Yeah, exactly. And it makes me wonder, like, are, do you really even know what you're out there representing? Because, you know, I mean, of the people that I spoke to at the march, and I'm sure you had at the women's march, um, I'm sure you had a similar experience. It was like everybody was there for a different reason. We were all there for the same reason. But but everybody was like, well, I, you know, like all of the signs you could see, it was like reproductive rights. It was close the wage gap. It was, you know, immigration. I shouldn't have to be deported. It was there were all these different things. And that just goes back to what I was saying before. And then you you basically just look at a bunch of people, you know, at this march today holding, you know, a bunch of white faces holding banners with, you know, pictures of white babies on them. Yeah. And and that's yeah. it. There's no depth to it. There's no compassion to it. There's it's all it's it's like it it's like shaming. It's like trying to shame people. It's like fear-mongering. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just, I mean, really it's just like complete bullshit and you know I mean it brings me to like not just the images right but I was getting infuriated with the couple things I was reading too because I mean it's this it's the same old scare arguments that work in every setting like I, I read a quote that said you know someone was like talking about you know all of the babies we could have saved if we didn't abort them she's like that child might be the doctor that cures cancer and it's like I fucking yeah, hate I when they hate use that kind of that. stuff because it's like you know, then it, as always, boils down to, like, it seems like a battle for saving the people who are already alive and saving the people who aren't. But it's like, it doesn't take into consideration science. It doesn't take into consideration that, yeah, like you said, abortion is sort of, you know, fueled as this argument masking the things that are actually more important. Um, and, and it's why they voted. It's the single issue that they voted on. I would be really, I would love to explore that more. Like the more that we kind of like challenge people to come school us. And that doesn't necessarily mean just like, let's come like have a bipartisan debate because I think that's basically pointless. Yeah. Um, if you want to deliberate and find common ground, I am always welcome. But if you want to come just shout at us, um, no, thank Not you. Down. Not no, down. thank We're gonna you. We're going to mute your mind. <laughs> we will. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's, that's a pretty easy solution. <laughs> We're just going to mute yeah. your mic. So go. Good luck. Um, but really, I mean, I would like if at some point we have some listeners out there who know someone who maybe is pro-life and, and has some mixed feelings about all of this or maybe was hesitant to go to the Women's March or came from a conservative family. I mean, I really would just 
like to understand and like also find those women aren't there out there who aren't just masked by that one issue like you said like if sure for the, who are for conservative the, for other things right like the people uh, but but i'm also willing to you know consider that there's probably some pro-lifers out there who are much more reasonable people and so i would love sure to hear from them and i would love to hear from people with different backgrounds that whether you're pro-life or not, but maybe have some differences between progressive Democrats right now, like come explain to me as a woman why you're at where you're at. That's all. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I would really love to hear because this is another thing that I'm just really struggling. I'm just really struggling with this one. I really am. And, and I'm like emotionally struggling with it today because it's like tensions are so high and I really don't, I hate using this phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. I, I don't know how to reach across the aisle in this moment. Yeah. I, think I really don't. that's the don't. perfect thing to say, and I don't either. And it's like, and that's where I feel at least like I start to lose a little bit of hope, which I refuse to let myself get to that place. But like, sure. but yeah, sometimes it does feel like that because it's like, God, like these people are just going to continue to use the same type of language and rhetoric that Trump is spewing out right now. And it's freaking working. <laughs> It's working for some it is. people. It's working. And I think I think what we have to keep in mind is is resistance has to be maintained, but it also I think needs to calm down a little. And that's like I hate the phrase calm down, but hear me out. <laughs> it's when when we so openly resist, I think it does great things for what the world thinks. And I think it does great things for, you know, banding together with other liberals, but I think it just makes it worse. I think with, with conservatives, I think if the goal is to truly find common ground, then, then we're going to have to figure out how to not, how to, how to sacrifice some of the things we believe in to meet them in the middle and, and hopefully they do the same. And I just don't, I just don't think we are willing to do that because I, uh, sitting right here, right now, after like reading all of this and like a crazy person from my past got in a like Facebook war with a bunch of my friends today. Trolling, trolling, trolling. (laughs) Trolling, trolling. Like, you what, don't they live under the bridge? Like, get off the bridge. (laughs) Whatever. Um, But I'm not prepared to do that. Yeah. I'm yeah. not prepared to do that. Well, I have do to I say, want to do that? I have to say you really, um, you convinced me earlier, but even more so now, like here. So, cause I know that I'm, I'm probably going to be the one that's like always preaching about common ground because it is a facet of democracy that I really believe strongly in, but sure. To, but when I heard it from your mouth, I mean, I had the same reaction that you did to me and I'm like, well, fuck that. <laughs> Right. I'm not giving up anything that I believe in for this. And and it isn't because I'm stubborn in that way, but it's because right now it's so like circulating around human rights, social justice and environmental issues, which are human rights and social justice issues on the, in their own right. You know, it's just like it's circling around things that are so deeply meaningful to me that I actually do sort of feel like we're going to end up going to battle. And then I will question whether common ground is really the appropriate method when, I mean, maybe our democracy needs to fall, like you said earlier, so that we build something else. We build yeah. something different. You know, and so I do go very back and forth because sometimes it does feel like I'm wasting my time trying to find common ground. And then other times I feel like if we don't have that, then we have nothing. Like we have nothing to move forward. So 
obviously I have no conclusions on this today, um, which I'm sure is partly driven by my, my rage <laughs> for the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, it's just something that I think that I'm going to be exploring a lot through this process. Um, which is why I'm so grateful that we're doing this because I really, I really do struggle. It's like, when is the right moment to say what you believe? When is the right moment to hold back a little bit? Um, you know, so that you can see where another human, human to human, where they're at. Um, and I think that, like you said earlier, it's sort of a case by case basis and we'll have to keep exploring. Yeah. And I think that's what's so important about doing about like, just like you just said about doing this podcast, because, and, and, and cataloging this journey, because honestly today I was like, I don't really even know if I want to talk about anything. I'm just so grouchy. Yeah. And I don't feel like this is going to be productive at all. You know, yeah, like because I just feel I feel like I can't get anywhere. But I think that that's such a huge point of this entire thing is that we're going to feel like we can't get anywhere. We're going to feel like it's done, like there's nothing that can be said that we but we have to keep fighting. We have to keep we have fighting. to keep fighting. We have to keep reminding everybody this is real life. This isn't just like some bullshit that we're watching on TV. This isn't some shit that we're going to live through for the next four years. This, it occurred to me the other day, I, Stuart and I are planning our family and our first child will be born with Trump as a president. Wow. (laughs) What? What? Yeah. Like what? It, and for that, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting for not only my rights, but also for the rights of the people who don't agree with me. Yeah. I completely believe in your rights not to agree with me and to be pro-life. And I don't agree with your right to be racist, but I agree that you should have the right to think whatever you want. And unfortunately, that means that sometimes. Oftentimes. Oftentimes. But more often than I would like. But, <laughs> but that's, that is what for me makes this country. And if we lose that, regardless of who's losing it, you know, it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. And I think a and huge that's step the hardest. in that is like actually admitting and being able to express when we're angry or sad. I mean, I hate to get all therapy yeah. status, but this is something yeah. I learned from my therapist and I will always advocate for therapy. Um, I think it's really fantastic. But, you know, she really said that to me the other day. And she's like, remember, women are really good at this because we have to hold it together and be Mm -hmm. the nurturer and pretend like things aren't as hard as they are. And she's like, we are very good at that at this point. But like, there's something to be said for like, actually expressing the underlying emotions under the fear because we're all kind of like milling around right now reacting in anxiety and fear um, and sort of picking up on each other's energy in my opinion on that and like sort of exacerbating it like you said Um, and I think sometimes you can sort of diffuse some of that anxiety and fear if you just name the underlying emotions so if you can just say I'm really fucking angry today and here's why or I'm, you know, I said this to Eric the other night, my boyfriend, I, I was like, I'm so sad today. You know, like I just, 
I cannot put on a happy face tonight. Like, I'm just really sad about all of this. Um, and he was able to admit me too. And even that even diffused things between the two of us, like in a sort sure. of tense evening, you know? So I just think I'm happy we did this today because I think there's something me to be too. said for saying it's okay to admit that we're really angry about this and yeah. we're not going to give up. And I think it's okay too to admit that like we really don't know that answer how to how to bridge that gap yeah I sure as hell don't know (laughs) no and and I don't think anybody does and so I think the only thing we can do now is just keep fighting for what we believe in because at the end of the day you know that's that's what's going to keep you warm at night true that I can't say anything better myself I mean I honestly think we should end on that note (laughs) I think so too so follow us on Facebook we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter um, Chug and Chat Podcast on Facebook and Chug mm, at Chug mm, Chat. Chug mm, Chat. Um, yeah, we'll put we'll put the articles and stuff that we were talking about and some new stuff. Um, oh, and if anybody's listening, anyone? Hello, Are you anyone? Um, Bueller. Liz had this amazing Bueller. <laughs> Liz had this amazing idea of asking um, around for some possible topics that you might like to hear in the next episode where we're working right now on putting together a series on intersectionality um, where we plan to gather a really rad group of people to sort of talk about what their experience of intersectionality is. We'll start by having um, a really cool person come and talk about their work with intersectionality, what they know about it, kind of define the term for us and and that but then but that's sort of like that's what we have in the works for right now we've got a zillion other things we'd like to talk about but we'd love to hear from you you know we'd love to know what is keeping you awake at night you know what do you need to hear about what do you kind of want to get off your chest um and yeah let us know write us on facebook we'll start a post probably on the on the facebook to give people um, a specific place to talk about that and and um we were we also talked that we were originally going to do these three episodes and then we were going to go to doing um, once a week. But there's like there's just way too much, you guys. There's too there's much. There's way too much. So I think we're going to go. So we're going to quit our week. jobs. And... Yeah. And we're just going <laughs> to podcast for you full time. <laughs> please send money. <laughs> please, please send money. Um, and uh, and wine. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I think we're, you know, going to start doing twice a week and then maybe, you know, it's hard to know if we'll ever get to once a week, you guys, because we might be in for a rough ride here for a while, but we sure might. And on that note, I think we should just end with like a big group hug. Big group hug, you (laughs) guys. hug the world. We love all of you (laughs) for everything that you believe, even if it is not what we believe and... We we look forward to living in this same universe and making it the, what it can be and the best for everybody. Boom. Love love to all. Love to all. And okay, good night. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.